Man, I'm so glad all of you are here. And good to have you in the house of God. I want you to go with me in your Bible this morning back to the book of Revelation to start. A number of weeks ago, even before everything began to break, God began to speak to me about navigating the times or about changing times, I should say. And, and then we began, I didn't really understand and, and probably still even up to now don't understand all that God's doing. But what God was showing and I felt like we needed to know how to get through difficult times. And I believe they're here. I believe you can be in a difficult time in many different ways. You might be at the loss of a job. You might have had a child that told you last night, came home, Mom, I got in trouble, this happened. Maybe your daughter got pregnant at 14 years of age. I mean, there could be all kinds of, of difficult times that we've got to learn how to navigate, especially in the world of which we're in. The abuse and misuse of, you know, of what's happening all around us. You might have lost a close loved one dear to you. You might have lost a mom and dad, a spouse, somebody unexpectedly in your life. And when these things happen, it just throws us all. It throws you into a tailspin. How do we navigate that? You just never know. But I do believe that God's got a plan. And I believe God began to speak to us about this even deeper of what is going on in our land. Before I do let it forget, I, I want you to do something for me. I'm not going to stop to pray right now, but I just want you to keep my family in your prayers this week. Me and Diane and our kids and, of course, Kim Ferguson and Jenny are with us this morning. Kim is. and But our daughter-in-law, uh, y'all know we've got another baby coming. Sadie will be here, supposed to be here at the end of the month, but due to some blood pressure issues and things with Bailey, they've decided to go ahead this week and induce labor. So we'll have another grandchild, I believe, sometime around Wednesday. And uh, so if you guys don't mind, keep us in prayer over that. Uh, I, I would appreciate it. Now let's get back into the Word. You know, many of you, especially our younger ones in the house, uh, probably don't keep up with everything that's going on in the world, especially like our more senior adults in the room. You know, when we talk about when we talk about Israel, we talk about war. We talk about the things that are happening there. It's just another war. It's just another group of people that's upset with each other. These aren't people. This just isn't a battle over land. This is a religious battle. You're not going to hear our, our politicians lead that because they don't want to crawl into that, into that depth. And I'm not trying to be political. But it is a religious war. But it's not only just a religious war, and please hear what I'm going to tell you, especially to our younger ones that in this room. It is a fulfillment of the Word of God unfolding in real time in a way that you have never, ever got to see it before. The Bible tells us that there is a day that Jesus is going to return. It seems like that has become the message over the last number of weeks. I'm hearing it everywhere we go. Me and Diane had the privilege last Sunday morning uh, of being at, uh, where were we? At uh, 
Church of His Presence, Pastor uh, Kilpatrick. And, and he wouldn't necessarily, he didn't preach, but one of his staff people did. And what a powerful message that this young man brought uh, about Israel and about the coming of the Lord. You see, so many times we're thinking that America is the key to it all. No, Israel is. And God's eye is upon his people. And we've even got a group of people that think, I, I, I don't know what you, I, I, the word is losing my mind, but uh, you know that Israel is really no longer important. It's all about the church. And, and that's not true. God's eye and God's timetable is upon Israel. And, and what you and I have got to keep our eye on is what the Lord is doing in this time. Pastor Scott preached a magnificent message last week uh, about the watchman on the wall. He done a, didn't he? Did he done a great job? Give him a hand. I think he's in the back back there. But that's our responsibility now that I'm hearing the watchmen that are shouting out that Jesus is soon to come. And that he is preparing the way. He's preparing his people. He's giving us an opportunity to make sure that our houses are in order. And so when we go through these things, the Bible only tells us that things are really going to increase in a far greater way. Not only for just Israel, but the nations of the world will be impacted. Matter of fact, I believe the Bible says that all the nations will turn against Israel. It's very possible that even our nation will. Matter of fact, I was listening to somebody the other day and uh, they were saying the reason that President Biden right now is asking for a pause to get the innocent out is because of all the threats that are in our nation right now. That if they don't, stand down, talking about us as Americans, stand down, then they will release. All they have to do is just make a few calls and they'll begin to release sleeper cells that are in the nation. They say they know there's a possibility of at least 60,000 sleeper cells that are in the nation that could come, come unglued all at one time. Now, I'm not saying that again to scare anybody. I, I'm just saying that we've got to be alert. We've got to be prepared. And we do need to know about what is going on. So how do we navigate these times? I wish I knew more. I'll be honest. Uh, I don't. I'm really considering maybe doing a couple nights just bringing somebody in to talk about end times and about Israel and, and what this means. I haven't set it in motion, but it's in my mind to do that. But when we started this, I believe there were three things or a number of things God had already given me. Had already given me about how to navigate. Thank you, Miss Tanya. The first one is this, that you and I have got to keep our eyes upon Jesus. And if there ever was a time that you need to be fully devoted and crawl into him, it's right now. I'm not talking about casual Christianity. I'm talking about being sold out to Jesus. In the book of Revelation, it says this in John 1, uh, chapter 1 and verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace uh, from him who is and who was and who is to come. I lost my spot. 
Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Now notice this to John, from John. This is a book we call Revelation that most people don't even want to crawl into. And many times when we crawl into it, we'll say something like this. I don't understand it. But when you read through it, he said, John, I want you to write about things that you have seen, things that are, and things that are yet coming to pass. I'm here to let you know it doesn't matter who is in the White House. It doesn't matter what Congress is doing. It doesn't matter in one sense even what everybody around us does. It does matter what Jesus is doing. And Jesus said this, I haven't lost I haven't lost control of that which I started. He said, I am he who is. In other words, that's the same word he spoke to Moses when Moses said, who am I going to tell? You just say, I am. I, I want you to know that I am is still in position. He also said, I'm he who was, which means he's the one that came and redeemed us and paid a price for us. I don't know about you. If you feel hopeless, if you feel defeated, then you haven't read the back of the book because I have. And the back of the book says we win. Come on, church. We win. He didn't pay a price to lose. And the third thing that he said, I am he who is coming again. I am he who was and who is and who is to come. Which means this, I'm going to come into every situation of your life, wherever you need me to be. But I believe there's a bigger thing there. I believe he's saying, I'm the one that's going to come again. Just like when Jesus gave those final words to his disciples in the book book of Acts. He said, tarry, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Be witnesses of me. And then angels came and took him into the heavens. And the angels said something like this. Why are you looking so perplexed and amazed? This same Jesus who has walked among you, who is now leaving, is going to come back again. I've got to shout it out, church. I've got to shout it to a generation. I've got to shout it to the old, to the young. Jesus is going to come back again. And the whole world is going to see him in all of his glory. Matter of fact, the Bible says this. He's coming for all of us, but not all of us will go with him. Paul said it like this as he was getting ready to part. He said, I've run my race, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. And he said, there is now a crown of righteousness laid up for me. But not only for me, but all those, listen to what the word said, who are looking or who love his appearing. You need to start looking for these things. It's closer than we think. I don't know when. It might still be another 10 years. I've heard Jesus is coming ever since I was a kid. I mean, I can remember going to church and tongues and interpretation would come. And I'd hear my pastor interpret that. Behold, I come quickly. And as a little boy sitting in the pew, we would almost shake out of fear. Never dreamed we would see 2023. And if you grew up in church all of your life, you probably never dreamed you would be here either. But we are here. But it still doesn't change the fact that Jesus is soon to come. 
And if we don't go by way of the rapture or the catching away of the church, church, you don't know what day you're going to go. We don't have a clue of when we will exit this planet. There are men and women dying all over the world right now, even in our region, even around us. Their plans were to live long. Their plans were to do this. I'm not trying to get to scare you. I'm just saying the reality of things is we don't know everything. But we can know that we can be ready that when that moment comes, I know where I'm going to be. So point number one is you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You need to be totally devoted to him. I mean, this is going above and beyond. This isn't minimum stuff getting by. It's not how close can I walk to the fence and get get through. No, you better get away from the fence because you might get hung up on a bar and when he a barb and when he catches us, you may be back here hanging on. Hello, here's the second thing that you've got to hang on to. You have to stand on the word. Man, you and I, if there ever was a time that we need to get in this word, is right now. I love this word. I believe in this word. I stand on this word. Every promise in the book is mine. You ever remember singing that song? Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I'm trusting in his love divine. That's as far as I'm going to go. Every promise in the book is mine. And you need to grab hold of every promise. But here's the reality of why you need to be in the book. You don't have to be left in the dark. You and I don't have to be in the place that we don't know what is going on and what is going on in the world because the Bible depicts the plan and the purposes of God. That's why he said in the book of Revelation chapter 3, listen to what he said, or chapter 1 verse 3. He said, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it For the time is near. He said, blessed are those that read this book. Now, wait a minute. If he's given us an encouragement to read, these are the words of Jesus to John. If he's given us an encouragement to read, there's something he wants you and I to know. That you and I don't have to live in the dark of everything. Now, I may not know the time. I may not know how things are going to pan out. I may not know what it's going to look like. But I know that there's enough in this book to say, wait a minute. That says this is going to happen. Hey, the Bible said... I mean, it said this thousands of years ago as men were inspired by the Holy Spirit begin to write to you and I to tell you that these things were going to come upon the earth. Not so that you and I would be fearful, but so that you and I would know how to navigate through that. You know what I'm talking about. We're on a journey. We've been on a journey from day one. And it's God that set the journey and it's like getting in, a, in an airplane. I'm going to fly somewhere this afternoon. And they may already have a course set. They're not going to leave the course, but they may have to fly around a few clouds. They may have to go around a few storms because the reality is they want to get you to the destination safely. And so does God. God wants to get you to your destination safely. He wants you to make it all the way. You and I need to not just know the, need to be able to stand on the promises, but we need to be able to tell our children about the coming of the Lord. I wonder if we really took a poll 
to a generation. I'm going to say maybe 30 years of age and under. And we really polled them about the rapture of the church, of the coming of the Lord. How many of them would, would really know what we're talking about? How many of them would really know? Maybe I need to push the bar higher because we, we haven't heard it preached in a, in a long time. I'm, I'm guilty as anybody else of really not preaching it and declaring it maybe as much as we should have. How many of us really know what's going on among the nation of Israel? You know, I see all these reports like you do. I don't know if everything is true on Facebook. It's probably not. But we all must believe it because every one of you posts, hey, did you read this? We all believe it in some form, but they say the Euphrates River is literally drying up. Well, if I understand right, that's right, Pastor, you Bible historians, that it's already been told in the book. Facebook didn't have to tell me. But all of a sudden, somebody's getting, hey, did y'all know the Euphrates River's drying up? And one of the reasons it's going to dry up because the Bible tells us that it will be a walkway or a pathway for the nations like China and Russia and all these nations will make their journey to come against Israel. It's in the book. But many of us don't know these things. My pastor years ago used to take us through Take us through this book, through the end times. You remember that, Diane? He had this great big old chart on the back of the wall. Anybody but our pastor ever do this? It was called the plan of the ages. And he would walk through that thing. I'm sitting there as a kid. I don't understand one thing you're saying. Because it was so foreign to me, the timelines and all of this and all of that. But because I didn't understand it didn't mean that it wasn't truth and it wasn't reality. And when God said, blessed is he who reads and who hears the words of his prophecy and will keep those things which are written in it, there's a blessing just coming by reading it, whether you understand it all or not. But I'm confident in this. If this is what God is saying, and I believe it is, I believe it is with all my heart that as you read through it, and I don't believe just he was just talking about the book of Revelation, although that's the key. I believe he's talking about the whole book. When you read through it, Holy Spirit will begin to illuminate things to you. And now I understand what that is all about. So you need the word. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to stand on the word. Here's the third thing I want to bring you today. I've had this in my heart for several weeks and God won't release, it, release me from it, and I believe it's one of the keys. Not only do you need to stand on the word, but please hear me, everybody in this room. You need your church. Now, I'm going to say it. I want you to hear that. You need your church. Now, I'm going to say it again because you didn't hear me. You need your church church not a church you need your church the place you have taken ownership in the place you have covenant in the place you have come to say this is where I truly belong see much of the church is followed after the pattern of the world we're just living together we've really not made covenant anymore I would fight for my church years ago 
I mean, I'd, I mean, I would fight for my church. I'd fight for my pastor. I would fight for the leaders. I would fight for the families of the church. It was our church. I am. I'm coming. I'm coming. I, I've got no agenda but just declare to you what God is saying. And the reason why you need a church. Here's the, here's the idea. Let me get, i got to stay close to my notes here. Let me make sure I've got them all in order. You see, everybody that's born again, everybody that's born again becomes a part of the church. You need to understand that. We're all a part of the church. Because there's really only one church that meets in many different places. The church isn't Pentecostal. It's not Baptist. It's not Methodist. It's not Lutheran. It's not all the titles. The Catholics, not all this. The real church, the real church is the born again body of Christ. Let me give you some names for the church just so that you'll know. It's identified, really the word church is first mentioned in the book of Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. First time it's mentioned. Jesus said, you remember, Peter comes, he said, who do men say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he, Jesus says to them, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And because of this, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And he said, upon this revelation, I'm going to build. Wait a minute, who's building the church? Jesus is. He said, I'm going to build my church. So let's give some definition to what that means, to the name church. It actually means the called out ones from the world. See, if you're going to live like the world, then you're really not of the church. Because the Bible said the definition of church is the called out ones. It's actually, here's another definition, the body of Christ. Now, wait a minute, you need to understand that an arm by itself is not a body. It's just a bone with some skin on it. A body is a mini membered, functioning unit made of joint, made of muscle, made of sinew, made of many different things. But it has to function with all of these many different parts to be the body of Christ. I, got, I can't get stopped too much long. I've got too much to give you in a short time. In the last couple of years, everybody's heard this. We're the ecclesia. God's governing force in the earth. And we're all screaming, we're God's governing force. We're really doing a good job, aren't we? We're not pushing as much back as we may think we are. And yet we keep screaming, why is that? It's not that we're not the ecclesia. Maybe it's we're just not functioning the way we're supposed to be functioning. Hello? Let me give you a fourth definition. It's sons and daughters. It's a family. The church is a family. Every believer, every born-again believer is a part of the church. But not every believer functions as the church. Not every believer functions as the church. See, some of you are just visitors. You'll say, that's my church, but you're really nothing but a visitor. 
Some of you in this church, oh, that's, that's my church. You just identify with it. It's amazing over the years, as a pastor of doing this for 40-something years, I've run into people and, hey, how you doing? Good. Or I hear them say, hey, I belong to Pastor Zach's church. You do? How come I don't know that? How come we don't ever see you? How come you're never involved in anything? How come? How come this? And, and yet they'll identify. I still go back after being away from Paducah for 20-something years. I have people we'll talk to once in a while. Oh, you're still my pastor. That's my church. Wait a minute. When we left there, that ended. That church was done, in a sense, from us. And yet they still identify. And the sad note is they're floating around. Love God, but not in the church. I don't know if many of you, I didn't come from him, but it came out. I don't know if any of you have been watching the so-called revival. I'm going to say it like that, the move of God, the refreshing, because they've given different names to it that's gone on in, in Atlanta at Free Chapel. Anybody but me kind of kept an eye on that? In a mega church, God poured out. God spoke to Brother Jensen for... Some time ago, I want you to take the month of October and do an end time prophecy thing. And he brought in uh, people like, uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, y'all know Perry Stone. He brought in John Hagee. Brought in a number of others that preach uh, on Bible prophecy. And he healed Perry to the pastor's, uh, Brother Stone, to the very last evening <coughs> of the month for a five o'clock service. And that was all it's going to be. But all of a sudden, God breaks out. And you know what was amazing? Nobody created an atmosphere. Nobody was doing anything. They were structured as much as structured would be to the time, to the clock, to everything else. And the moment they gave an altar call, thousands of people flooded till they couldn't get everybody around. They said they were lined up all the way. If you've never been there, you'd only have to. They're back up all the aisles, people coming to receive Jesus. And you know what was amazing? Nobody was pressuring. Nobody was hyping. And here's Brother Stone just preaching in simple forms and manners about end time and things and thousands of people. They had a measure of at least 50,000 people every night watching on live stream. And countless testimonies were coming in of all the people around the world that were giving their heart to Jesus are being healed. Wow. Thousands were filled with the Holy Ghost. Didn't look like anything we Pentecostals would have drummed up to make happen. Where was I going with that? <sighs> Building the church. And that seemed to be his message. That seemed to be, matter of fact, a couple of nights he talked just real strict, solid about you need to be in the church. You need to get off the fence, get in the church, get involved, get, I mean, simple stuff. And then he gives an altar call. Bam! Listen, church, it's not that people aren't hungry. They're just waiting for you and I to be the church. They're waiting for you and I to release and allow God to do what God's going to do. I don't know. It's still on YouTube. You can go watch those meetings. It was tremendous. In the Old Testament, just so you'll know, the church is really mentioned through the whole Bible, but it's just named different. 
In the Old Testament, it was identified as people. You're my people. God said, you're my people. I mean, there was a strict identity that God had with those, like with Israel, that he said, you're mine. I know you by name. And when you walk through the water, when you walk through the fire, these things, you're not going to be burned. He said, you're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. And then we'll go to the New Testament. It turns, it turns to be the church. But you need, you need the local church. You need your church, the local assembly, the gathering of his body of believers together in one place. It is never exempt. It has not ever been the plan of God that we just float around and that we move around with every wind of doctrine because it's real easy to do that. But why the church? Real quickly, i got to land this church. Why? Because it's God's plan to carry out his provision, his leading, and accomplishing his will in the earth. Many of you say you have faith in God. i got news for you. You don't, or you would be a part of his church. You just got faith in what you want to do and not being a part of God's church. In the book of Joel, chapter 23 and verse 1, Israel is scattered. Uh, verses 3 and 4. I got I to fly through this real quickly. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 3 and 4. I mean, it's been a long time since I used this passage, but man, it's been leaping at me lately. If she'll throw it, go ahead and throw it up. But he said, I will gather the remnant of my flock. Talking about Israel because of their sinfulness has been scattered. He said, but I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them. And I will bring them back to their, let's say it together, what? Folds. Wait a minute, Israel was one, but there were different folds. There were different gatherings. Now notice the next part of it. God said when they get to their fold, they shall be fruitful and increase. Go to the next verse. And I will set up shepherds over them, which will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. And God said, when my fold comes together, if you'll read on, I don't want to take time. He said, I'm going to begin to bring the Son forth. Because he said, the church is going to reveal Jesus. The church is going to be the one that unfolds the revelation of Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to be doing is that they see the church. They see Jesus in everything that we do. First of all, notice something. Oh, let me, well, Pastor, that's Old Testament. Okay, let's go to New Testament. Never do you see Jesus just hanging out with one. He was always with a group. Whether it be small or whether it be a few, he was always with some. But it was always intending that these would reach and gather others and pull them to them, to gather them around so that there is a gathering. Most people would say that the church was formed at Pentecost. I would probably agree with that. So when the Holy Spirit was poured out, immediately, (coughs) 
we've got 3,000 plus possibly brand new born again believers that don't know how to do life. So what happens in Acts chapter 2? Put that up for me if you don't mind. Verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day there were 3,000 souls were added to them. Next verse. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And now all who believed were together. Everybody say together. And they had all things common. It was the pattern of the early church is that we would gather together. Remember, I didn't wear this for no reason. I am styling it. It will look good behind a suit jacket or if you just want to wear it like this, you can. Anyway, you, but we are better together and that's how God intended for us to function. So here's four things real quickly or a few things. Why God wants us together. Because God's going to accomplish his purpose in the earth. He said we will be fruitful and increase. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of gifts in this place, but we're not drawing anything from you. You're just in a pew. Again, I, I've got no agenda. I, I'm just preaching to you what God is. I'm shouting the alarm. Because we could get a whole lot more done. See, we don't think that we're divisive or we're divided. Most churches are. Because we got people going, well, I'm a follower of this group. And I've got people that said, but I'm of this tribe. And then I've got people, but I'm following them. Wait a minute. Are you a part of your local church? God didn't set us in here for us to just take up space. He didn't bring you and I together for us to hang out together, do something. There's a whole, listen, I could have stayed on the beach in Alabama. You could have enjoyed it as well. But the reality is there's a purpose that God has always intended. So as we come together, listen, everybody in this place has something to offer as we are joined. Listen, not showing up, but as we are joined together, there is a supply that begins to move. We begin to pull gifts. We begin to pull resources. We begin to pull things together. This weekend in Jackson, Tennessee... There was a dedication of a vision and a seed that Pastor Val, Miss Sherry, planted in Jackson years ago after a tornado came through. And people were so displaced and they were so messed up because of what the tornado did that God moved upon their heart to get a, an old hospital, if I remember right. If I tell it wrong, you can straighten me out another day. That they could take and fix that thing up quickly, that they could house people in it. I don't know how many years ago that was, but because of what they planted, a seed, something began to grow. And this past weekend, and I, we got the privilege of seeing it a number of months ago when we were down there. A, a brand new facility, not a no worn out hospital but a brand new dream center was dedicated to take care of the lives of people it didn't come because of them it came because of all the connections that were in the flow of God because he had a vision that God connected and people began to be a supply now countless numbers and who knows how many has been helped and strengthened and encouraged 
Because people pulled their resources together. Well, I believe this is what I ought to do. I believe this is what... That's what Paul addressed to the church at Corinth. In the midst of a move of God, had everybody doing their own thing instead of saying, what is God doing at Christ church? Are you okay? I'm good. I'm rather having fun. So he says... I'm going to accomplish my purpose. You know, it's not about doing 5,000 things. I've got people, and I think we ought to have a soup kitchen. I, got people, I think we ought to give clothes away. We ought to give turkeys away. We ought to give hams away. We ought to do this. We ought to do that. I'm not interested in doing 500 things. But I wonder what would happen if a body of people would so get themselves together in such a function with such a purpose that we want to see people come to the fullness of Christ and we devote everything that we have into that what we could accomplish when we do it together because we're better together. Oh, God, get, oh my goodness, turn that clock off. Listen, he said, I'm bringing my people to their foes because you need a pastor in your life, whether you believe it or not. I need a pastor in my life. Me and Diane have a pastor. They're sitting right there. They're yet overseers of this church. They call me their pastor. But they've been in our world helping us for years. I believe every ministry needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody that you're accountable to, but somebody you're under. You need a pastor in your life. Why? Because he said they will feed you. In other words, they're going to bring instruction and they're going to bring guidance to your life. I want to tell you, it's a whole lot more easier things to do. And sometimes it gets real disappointing when you're preaching your heart out and, and you're leading. And I always stand amazed at this. Pastor, you've been there. Some of you guys that preach know this. Pastor Scott, I know you've heard this. Bring somebody in. They preached, man, that was the greatest message I've ever heard. Uh, duh, I just spoke that the last six weeks. They got my notes and you didn't know it. But we all need guidance. We need instruction. We need somebody to say, hey, this is the way right now. Listen, if I was on that airplane, there's one person I keep a close eye on. That's the stewardess. Because if she gets nervous, we got problems, Houston. Because her assignment is to keep us calm. And that pilot is to get me to the destination no matter what. And that's our responsibility is to try to keep you calm. In difficult times, it's not always easy. But through instruction and guidance, here's the third thing. God said it. I didn't say it. He said there's divine protection. You don't realize how important it is for you to be a part of the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you there's three assignments that's going to be against you. It's called the lion, it's called the bear, and it's called the giant. When David was going before Goliath and he was watching over his father's sheep, he said, I fought a lion and I fought a bear. So what is the lion? The Bible said in the book of Peter, I believe it is, the devil roameth about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So what is he looking for? We know that there's a real enemy out there that wants to devour every one of us. 
I, I've heard people say that's been in the been to Africa and been out on safaris or been around the jungle area that when a lion roars, he's not like a kitty cat, but you can literally hear his voice. You can hear his roar rumble through the rumble through the hills, rumble over the land. He's looking, if you've watched documentaries, isn't it interesting, even the animals are smarter than we are. They at least know how to herd and move together because they know that there's an enemy. What is that enemy watching out? He's trying to separate. I mean, he's either going to look for weakness or he's going to try to separate somebody out. If he can get you separated, he's got a good chance of getting you no matter how big you are. What about the bear? Man, I had to think about this in a bit. God, what are you talking to me? Never thought about these three things. The bear. He's cruel. He's insensitive. He's self-seeking. And he'll leave you with no conscience. He's going to come at you if he wants to take you. And he moves so swiftly and powerfully that he'll put you in a grip and he'll put a clamp upon you that you don't have an opportunity to get loose from. That's the issues and hang-ups of our life that can come along that God will have us speak on once in a while. Say, watch that. Watch that. Keep yourself from that. We're not preaching it just to be mean. We're trying to keep you out of the mouth, out of the teeth of that bear because that bear will put a grip on you and literally take your life. And a lot of good people have been destroyed because God revealed or, or because the bear, the bear was there. God spoke, but they didn't do anything with what God spoke to them. Well, pastor, you're just, you're just an old fogey. You're just, you know, we're not that day. Go read the book. Go read the book. And then the giant. The giant had the nation. There's things upon our nation right now that's bringing fear to everyone. He backed up all of Israel. But when you and I are together, there's something supernatural that takes place. There's God's protection. And then fourthly, there's provision and encouragement. There's provision. God had those away. Remember the early church? They had all things common. They were lacking nothing. Oh, you mean they were handy? No, through that supernatural work of God, God knew how to give to people when they were in need in a right way. He knew how to get it through them or to them because he could get it through somebody else. Here's encouragement. You know, like I said a while ago, sometimes life throws things at you. You never know. I'm glad Miss Marilyn is back home with us today. But a number of months ago when we thought Danny was going to hang out with us and they moved up here from <coughs> Louisiana, she never dreamed that she was building a home that one day she would be living in by herself. Sorry, I don't mean to be bringing a pain to you. I'm just using you. But thank God she come among a family. And I watched many of you come and put your arm around them and, and embrace you. Didn't, know, didn't have one clue, didn't know what to say. Even I as a pastor didn't know what to say. I mean, I'm praying with everything I've got in me. I didn't know what to do. And sometimes the only thing that you can do is just say, honey, I'm here for you. I want you to know if you need to cry, I'm standing with you. I'm praying for you. I want you to know your love. I want you to know we're not going to leave you alone. In crises, you're going to need a body. You're going to need a church. 
And what greater place can you find than the body of Christ? Church, this isn't a game. This is reality. This is the real world and what God intended. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says this, Forsake not the assembling of yourself together, and the more so as you see the day of the Lord approach. Why did he say to assemble? Let me give you a couple definitions, and I'm going to land our jet real quick. Worship team is coming. Listen, we come together for a lot of reasons. We come together to worship together. That was the pattern of the early church. We worship together. We come together to grow in the word together, to be taught, to be instructed together. We come together to pray together. If I can just find two in agreement, if I can just get two to agree, boy, it's hard to agree. It happens every week with my family. We're going to go to my office in just a few minutes. Where do y'all want to eat? We're family. That's a small issue. It's even harder in the bigger issues. to get. Well, I wouldn't do it that way. Well, this is the way I believe. This is what I see. And we got all of this stuff going on. We got to come together, church, and realize that God is working in our midst and He's moving. It's more than an official meeting. Please hear what I'm going to say. When God called the assembly... It's more than the official meeting. It's a call to be empowered by God. Please hear what I'm telling you. It's a call to be empowered by God and to do life together. I don't even know some of you. I don't have to know everybody. But we better know. Some of us in this room need to know each other greatly. We're better together. We're doing life together. Just showing up isn't life. We're just showing up. That's why we engage the life groups. It's not, yes, we're teaching, but it's more than that. We're trying to build meaningful relationships for the days that are ahead. I know some of you struggled with it because it's not church. It's more church than you can imagine. We're in a day when things are changing and we don't like change. I don't think it's about anything new. I think it's God getting his house back to order. The way he intended for us to function. Boy, y'all got quiet on that. You need the church. Look at your neighbor and say, you need the church. I want to give you, as I land this jet in 20-something seconds, and that's impossible, but I'm going to tell you four things real quick why most people are not in church. I love God. But I just come to church. Or I don't go to church at all. Here's the first one. You're just absolutely ignorant of God's way. I didn't say you were a dummy. I didn't say you were, didn't know it. You just don't know how God works. Because you're not going to be in the will of God if you're not in the way God works. We got a lot of people wanting to do great things, but don't know the plan and the will of God. Here's the second thing. Deception. The enemy has deceived a generation. Since COVID, somebody spoke the other day, I think it was Brother Stone, 
Since COVID, 50% of the church never returned to church. The enemy brought fear. I'm afraid if I go among those people, I'm going to get sick. When 100,000 people sat in a football stadium yesterday all over the country, and none of them was worried about getting sick. And when you will go to the mall or you'll go to Walmart among everybody, but I can't come to the church because I'm going to get sick. Boy, the enemy has known how to mess with us. I'm sorry. It's a reality. We're deceived. Boy, this is a big one. This is huge. The internet. I had pastors way before this happened and they were talking about us and everybody was live streaming. I had pastors tell me, if we do this, they'll never come back to the house. Because people decided it was easier to stay home, have their coffee, sit in their pajamas and watch. Or at least that's what they're saying they're doing. I'm a pastor and I go through, I can't tell you how many services every week that I watch but I'm not watching it all. I'm only hitting minutes of it. Maybe sometimes even seconds. I just want to hear what they're talking about. I'm not saying it's a bad deal. I think it's a great tool. But it has deceived much of the body of Christ. I can, I can get what I need at home. I want to say this is Pastor Zach, all right? I want to say it's brought more division. Because now you're opened up to more ministries. And, well, that pastor really is in the know, but this pastor isn't. That teacher really is telling the truth, and this church isn't. You live here. They're too far for you to go there. But they know more than what we know. They're really in the know. I want to tell you, that's a deception. That's a deception that the enemy is using in this hour to divide the body of Christ, no matter, even to watch everything in real. Pastor, this is what we got to do. This is what we got to do, Pastor. We need, we, hey, they're having, rip, this is what they did in Free Chapel. If we do it exactly like them, Pastor, I know that's what will happen. We're deceived because we're always challenged to look for something better. And we're hearing so much if we don't say it like they said or do it like they do it, then we don't have anything to offer you because you have gotten bigger than us. That leads me to my fourth one, our third one, our fourth one. Boy, this is a good one too. It's pride and arrogance. I've gotten lifted up in my knowledge. I've gotten lifted up in my gift. I know how to do it better. I know how more. I, I'm, I'm really on a different plane than they are. So I'm going to pay attention to all of those over there. I'm not saying they're bad. Because I watch them. But it sure can hurt the church. It sure breaks loose the local church. Well, they don't feed me no more. Really? How many times have I heard that? People have left me. Well, pastor just doesn't feed me no more. He's not 
prophetic enough. He's not apostolic enough. He's not teacher enough. He's not pastoral enough. Y'all are real quiet. But our pride and our arrogance is keeping us from being the church. You may know more. I know there's people in here that know more than I do. That's okay. Just pray for me that I'll catch up with you. But the Bible says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And God said, I will exalt. Here's the last thing. This is probably the biggest one of all. I've been hurt and disappointed by church and people in the church. And nothing can hurt us any greater than church hurt. You guys disappointed me. You guys hurt me. I guarantee you there's probably not a person in this room that hasn't been hurt by somebody in the church. You've been hurt by us. Maybe we didn't do everything right. Maybe we didn't do it in the light that you thought it ought to be in. Maybe we come at you in a different way than we should have. We're still just human. And we don't give any grace. But there is a higher standard for the church. It's expected of all of us. Sometimes my guidance may have not been the guidance you thought I would do. Maybe when we made this decision, wait a minute, I got left out of it. Or maybe, wait a minute, I heard them say this about me. I've watched little bitty things impact the hearts of so many believers that want nothing to do with church because they are carrying hurts and disappointments. And my friend, that's not the will of God and the plan of God. I know, I know we love you guys so much. And we're pouring everything that we know how into your lives to see you fulfill everything that God, that's my heartbeat. Not just to have you come in this house. I want to see you walk in everything that this Bible says you can walk in. But where are you? As you stand to your feet with me, i got to close. Where are you? You need the church. And I don't know what you're necessarily dealing with. I don't know where you are, but I believe it's time, guys, that we make some strong decisions that I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. I got news for you. We'll probably hurt you again somewhere. Not intentionally. Because I don't think any of us have ever, ever determined, I'm going I'm to set out today. Chad Hampton is sitting up here on the front. I'm going to set out this week to hurt him somehow. And nobody ever does that. But sometimes it's your expectation versus our expectation. Sometimes it's your vision versus our vision. 
Sometimes it's your heart versus the Word of God that you've got to deal with. Because if you call us in or we have to bring you in to deal with some issue in your life, we're not trying to be mean. We're not trying to be cruel. We're trying to save you, protect you, care for you, love you. If we didn't, we would say nothing and go ahead and let your home, let your life go to shambles. But it's out of our love for you that we do. So where are you? I'm challenging this house this morning. If we're going to navigate these times that are here and coming, you need your church. What are you at? Are you just a church member? Are you just somebody showing up? Are you really committed? I'll say this to you. I'll fight for you whether you fight for me or not. I'll believe in you whether you believe in us or not. And I believe most people in this room will. We're here for you. Father, I've given to them this morning what you've put in my heart for several weeks to share. And I pray this morning, God, for those here that need to make a fresh and new commitment to you today. That God, today will be the day they decide, I'm not carrying that anymore. I want to be in the plan and the will of God. I don't want my pride and arrogance to be in the way. I don't want fear and deception to be in the way. I don't want my hurt, my disappointment to be in the way. God, I want to be fully in the middle of your plan and your will.